Howdy, listeners from coast to coast, from the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. You know, I think by my calculations, there's only two on the Right Side Radio shows left until the election. So we're going to be focusing kind of big time on that over the next several weeks, along with a bunch of other bubbling stories. Because the stories, they're not bubbling. It's more like the geysers in Yellowstone, kind of old faithful on steroids. Well, today we're going to be covering, number one, the history of governorships around the country, particularly the recent history. Governors are key. Governors are your protection along with your local community, your sheriffs, and your county commissioners, and your state legislatures. They are your protection from the federal government. Our founders, in their wisdom, set up an incredible series of checks and balances and fine-tuning. You know, they created a tension between the states and the federal government, and governors have a lot of power. They have a lot of power to help you, and they have a lot of power to ruin your life. And of course, as with every little historical story, no matter what on or what time period, there is the rest of the story, which we'll be discussing. And we're going to have our founders quote, and we're going to be talking about the governors, the governors' races. You know, the last two shows I brought you an update on the congressional races, which, by the way, seem to be moving in Republicans' favor. I don't really care about Republicans. In fact, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Republican Party, but I am a fan of conservatives. I am a fan of Americans who think American. And I am not a fan of Democratic Marxists and folks who hate America and think we should just be another seat at the table of nations, borderless and part of the global cabal. So these governor races and some of these secretary of state races, which are key to election integrity that are going on around the country, we're going to be honing in on that. What's critical is that the balance of power shift in Washington that the brakes be put on a run-amuck Obama third term, President Cadaver, you know, out in front of Obama's third term. It is critical that we blunt the tip of their spear. Otherwise, folks, it's not going to be pretty. Let me put it that way. And then I'm going to be bringing you a couple of updates on voter fraud. The more the left protests, the more you know it's true. And anything they accuse you of, you can absolutely rest assured they are reading Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals handbook, which is blame your enemy for what you are doing. Oh, yes. One of the things I'm going to tell you about on this election fraud is election fraud using your taxpayer funds illegally (laughs) and contrary to the Constitution. That's right. What do they have to take down? Oh, that's right. How many times have I told you this? Faith, family, the Constitution. Those are the pillars that must be destroyed for them to, should we say, realize their agenda of perpetual power and complete control over your lives. The collective, not the individual, is what they wish for. So, did you know President Gandhaver did an executive order to register Democrat voters? It's kind of against, you know, some federal statutes. And using your money to do it, I'm going to bring you up to speed on that. You can raise holy hell with your congressmen and your senators. And then, once again, on the Right Side Radio is way ahead of the rest of the media, anywhere and everywhere. And I told you, wasn't it strange, this was last week's show, if you didn't get it, on the rightsideradio.com. The same with the Take Action page, on the rightsideradio.com. Get off the couch, folks. The clock is ticking. We're quickly getting to the point where there is no tomorrow. This is your future. This is your family. This is your security. 
This is your freedom. Last week I mentioned that wasn't it curious that Ron DeSantis, let's see, Florida, 29 electoral votes, you know, key state, obviously the Trump era apparent, and really very good. I like Ron DeSantis a lot, and so do a lot of other people, and that makes the left nervous. And boy, you know that big hurricane, Ian, and I hope you folks are getting it together down there in Florida, by the way, are all our stations in Florida, let me tell you, I think about you often down there with that destruction and nastiness that you had to contend with. But last week I talked about, wasn't it odd that Hurricane Ian switched courses and made landfall at an entirely different location than projected at the very last minute, like hours, and that it increased in intensity when it was supposed to decrease in intensity as it made landfall? Well, you know, there are no coincidences, particularly before a midterm, is there? And guess what? You know, it seems that President Cadaver has signed another executive order. He now leads, I think, all the U.S. presidents before him in the number of executive orders he's signed. Because guess what? He can't get his radical agenda passed constitutionally or through the legislature. So instead, he reverts to unconstitutional executive orders. And the executive order has to do with, oh, yeah climate manipulation. Hmm, it must be a coincidence. And then, of course, we're going to have rat-a-tat-tat. So, first of all, let's start off with our founder's quote, and then we'll do our rant story, because I got a good one for you, and it definitely has a moral in it. So, Benjamin Franklin, our founder of choice for this show, freedom of speech is a principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society is dissolved, and tyranny is erected on its ruins. Republics and limited monarchies derive their strength and vigor from a popular examination into the action of the magistrates. Yes, isn't that true? And why is all this censorship occurring? Have you checked your spam box lately, folks? If you do, you'll be shocked to find hundreds, if not thousands, of political-type news and political requests for contributions and updates on all sorts of things that are taboo in the woke world in your spam folder because you're getting censored by Google, Apple, and everybody else under the sun. And, of course, there's some words you just can't utter, right? And, ah, yes, the ranch story. Well, the ranch story this week involves this reservoir we have on the headquarters ranch and over the years the dam has been deteriorating and i have kind of had it on my project list i don't know three four five years basically what's happened is the water has been working its way down the culvert through the dam and over time the water erodes the soil that's packed around the culvert and over time that opening through which it creeps you know water always finds the path of least resistance kind of like politicians but through which the water creeps, more and more dirt is moved, and until you have, in this case, like three-foot caverns that stretch literally from the outlet of the reservoir all the way to the outfall from the culvert, and on either side, I mean a very unsafe condition, and in high water, it could definitely kind of say ruin your day, particularly for everything downstream. So finally, we kind of got it together. We ordered all our various pieces with there's a welding shop in town we had them make an anti-seep plate which is a big metal plate that goes around the culvert and stops the seep of water down the culvert through the dam we ordered concrete 
Anyway, to make a long story short, we're all set to go. The concrete is ordered, and, you know, it, that's a 40-mile trip out here to get a concrete truck. You have no idea of the delivery charges. And finally, finally, my ranch lieutenant gets back here with all the stuff from the welding shop. And guess what? The anti-seat plate had been done wrong. They had not followed my diagram, but like, whatsoever. It was the wrong size. The hole they had cut into this big metal sheet into which the culvert is inserted so it's a snug fit and the water can't get by the culvert, that was wrong. The distance from the top of the sheet to the bottom of the sheet where the hole was centered, that was wrong. And by the way, this is a 30-inch culvert. I mean, this is not some little pipe. And then they had put, somehow they had bent the tops of the plate. I mean, meaningful. The, the bend was meaningful. But instead of being able to pound the sharp edge of the metal plate into the soil, which gives you an effective seal at the bottom of the dam structure, with these bent edges, there was no way to do that. So I puzzled over this. This is now like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to be dark in three hours. The concrete truck is coming at 8.30. We have all our machines up there, and I'm scratching my head. How am I going to make this disaster work? And we finally came up with a plan, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but we did our dig in a different way. Instead of having the plate back against the culvert into which our culvert insert was going, we decided to place it out 18 inches from the dam and pour the concrete between the plate over the old culvert, and that required some forms. So we scrambled down the barn. Daylight is wasting, right? The sun is sinking over timbered ridges on the western edge of the ranch, and we zip back to the pond, about a half-mile trek, with all sorts of stuff. I mean, every scrap of lumber you can imagine, screws of every size, nature, and bolts of every type and kind that you could probably didn't even know existed, all sorts of tools and power tools and extra batteries and lights, <laughs> all nine yards. In the meantime, the temperature's dropping like a stone. It was now in the high 20s, and we went to work. And we're digging like mad, and we're setting up forms like mad. And we kind of came up with a plan for the next morning. The concrete truck's supposed to be here at 8.30, and they're pretty punctual because they're coming from a long way away. So we met at 7, which is, why don't we say it's not quite shooting light yet. And we're out there with flashlights, <laughs> screwing together these forms, which we're making out of bits and pieces of wood and plywood and particle board and, you know, anything and everything we could kind of lay our hands on. And here comes the truck. And we had managed to backfill in front of the plate so that the plate wouldn't collapse forward from the weight of the concrete. And remember, this was like entirely different than it had been planned. And it was necessitated by the, shall we say, the change by the welding shop in the plans we had given them without telling us. We got the pour affected. I think the fix might actually be better than the one I had planned. And as of tonight, water, which we had pumped down in the reservoir about a foot using these big pumps the water is now going through the two everything is working like a charm and it looks great and we were able to do several other improvements to the dam that we wanted to do at the same time with the equipment out there and you know all's well that ends well and we probably have a fix that will outlast our lifespans and what's the moral of this story things never go right things always go wrong the unexpected always occurs and you don't stop you don't hesitate. You move forward to the end goal. You adopt, you improvise, and you overcome. Now let's talk about 
just a really brief, this is going to be a brief historical story today, but telling. So in governorships around the country, which have become more and more critical as you get a larger and larger federal government that's run amok and is power and control hungry and willing to do about anything to gain both and keep them in perpetuity. From 1994 to 2006, Republicans led in the number of governors in the United States. But in 2006, that kind of switched around. Gee, thank you, George Bush. After which there were 28 Democratic governors to the Republicans, 22. And then the Republicans regained their national majority in the 2010 midterm elections, you know, the big Republican wave. Between 2010 and 2017, the number of Republican governors continued to increase. Republicans holding governor seats uh, hit a high point of 34 after West Virginia, that was Governor Jim Justice. He switched to the Republican Party after his election in August of 2017. And then from 2017 to 2019, Democrats began to reverse the tide a little bit. They won Republican-held governorships, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, and Wisconsin. Republicans, in the meantime, gained a governorship in Alaska, but they wrested that from a guy by the name of Bill Walker, who was not a Democrat. He was, supposedly, an independent. In 20 and 21, Republicans won Democratic-held governorships, in other words, they flipped it, in Montana and Virginia. And that brought the total, as of today, two weeks before the midterm elections, folks, to 28 governorships for Republicans, for the Reds, and 22 governorships for the Blues, the Democrats, or should I say the Democratic Marxists. So let's talk about these governor races, shall we? First of all, Carrie Lake in Arizona. This woman rocks, folks. I mean, I love her. She is absolutely fabulous. And she doesn't take any crap from the press. She throws facts right back at their face. She makes them look like fools. She is just running circles around Katie Hobbs, her opponent, who won't come out of her basement or debate. And she is actually slightly ahead after being a number of points behind to begin with. Katie Hobbs down there in Arizona. We need to put her over the top. It is important, given what happened in 2020 in Arizona, it is really important that we take that governorship. Then we have Tim Michels in Wisconsin. Very tough state, you know, I mean, very liberal state overall. And he is like one or two points behind Evers, the incumbent Democratic governor who, you know, basically locked Wisconsin up like the rest of the Democratic governors uh, during the COVID nonsense, the COVID conjurer. And he needs your assistance, remember. Take action button on the home page about, oh, it's right about in the center of the page. Click that. It'll bring you right to the page where you can contribute to these candidates. Congress, Senate, and what we're talking about today, the governorships. Then we have Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott is, uh, depending upon the poll, and we talked about that last week. Listen to it. The history of polling in the United States on the rightsideradio.com. Depending upon the poll, he is anywhere from two. Oh, that's scary. To seven points ahead of Beto O'Rourke. And I think you know who Beto O'Rourke is. And look, need I say more? The fact that Beto O'Rourke has more than 20% support really makes me fear for this country. Let me just, it makes me fear for this country. Brian Kemp in Georgia. Listen, I'm not a big fan of Brian Kemp for a whole bunch of reasons, which I'm not going to waste radio time here talking about. But let me tell you, he is 
1,000% better, even with all his flaws, than Stacey Abrams, because Stacey Abrams is a full-blown communist. I mean, that is what she is. And right now, he is, once again, depending on the polls, anywhere from two to five points ahead. Let's keep him there, shall we, folks? I mean, Georgia is a really important state. Ron DeSantis in Florida. Most polls and the averages of polls have him head comfortably. In this environment, comfortably is like at least four points. Five points is better. And six, seven, eight, I mean, that is really comfortable in this divided tribal society that uh, has been woven for us like a matrix by the Democratic Marxists. Tudor Dixon in Michigan. This gal rocks too. She takes no guff. Uh, She's not quite the firebrand of Curie Lake, but she is smart. She is definitely conservative. And that witch, (laughs) Gretchen Whitmer, I mean, this woman is... I would put her on a par with Holstrom in New York that we're going to be talking about and with Newsom, gruesome Newsom out there in California. This woman is bad news. I mean, she turned the screws on you people in Michigan over this COVID thing needlessly. But by the way, while she and her husband completely ignored their own edicts, you know, rules for thee, but not for me. And in a real big surprise, Tudor Dixon, who everybody said just didn't have a chance, you know, I mean, there's no way. And the Republican National Committee, who, well, that's a topic for another day, they didn't support her. And guess what? Over the last week, they are tied, folks, in Michigan for the governorship. It is terrific. 44% to 44%. That is the real clear average of polls. She needs some moolah. Support her. Michigan is a very important swing state, and the Wicked Witch needs to be retired to the Wizard of Oz or wherever she's going to go. By the way, a 15x match for Tudor Dixon. I guess somebody finally woke up somewhere and said, wow, this gal could win. Let's help her. So you put in like 10 bucks, it's 150. You put in like 20 bucks, it's like 300. I mean, this is really a good investment. And then in another surprise, because it could never happen, it's going to be a blowout. Lee Zeldin is running for the governor of New York against Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul is like gag me. Stick your little pinky down your throat and retch, okay? She might be worse than Cuomo, and we know how, I mean, Cuomo killed 25,000 people intentionally, so we know how bad he is, right? So Lee Zeldin, he is almost within the margin of error in the state of New York a Republican for governor. Think about that. And he is surging. Send some money to Lee. And you know what? <laughs> we, we might just be witness to a miracle. A Republican governor in the state of New York. Which, by the way, does not pretend well for Democratic chances around the country. So long as, folks, you stand up. This is not the time to get the foot off the gas. This is the time to push that accelerator to the floor. Make those contribution wheels and participation wheels, registration wheels and voting wheels spin. Make them smoke going down that election highway. Mark Fincham, he's running for Arizona Secretary of State. The totally corrupt Secretary of State currently in Arizona, which is why all the mess happened down there to begin with. And the mess was continuing. Remember they uh, didn't print enough ballots in Pima County here for the primaries? Oh, oh, they apologized. That's what the mainstream media says. They apologized. You know, so it's okay because they, they took responsibility. Well, that doesn't help the people who didn't get the vote, does it? Apologies don't mean squat. Election integrity means everything. And Fincham is a huge election integrity guy. 
He needs your support. The race is very close. Depending upon which average of polls you read, it could tip one way or the other by a point or two. That is Mark Fincham, Arizona Secretary of State. Jim Schultz, Minnesota. I told you about this a little bit a few weeks ago. Jim Schultz is actually leading Keith Ellison, who is, wow, he needs to be deported somewhere. I'm not really sure where. I'm not sure there's any country that would take him. But he is an anti-American, Democratic Marxist, butt-kissing, radical Islamist, and a racist to boot, a reverse racist to boot. The fact that a Republican is leading Ellison, who is on the DNC and all sorts of high mucky-muck Democratic positions, is remarkable. Help him out. Once again, the Take Action button on the homepage on ontheRightSideRadio.com. It'll bring you right, you click that button, it'll bring you right to the pages and we have little clicks there. You can click and you can contribute. We've even marked where any candidate has a multiplier. In other words, you put in X amount and it's multiplied by 4X or 15X or in one case in the Ohio Senate race, J.D. Vance, who by the way is pulling ahead of his Democratic rival. It's a 25x match. In fact, there's a rumor that there might be by the time that website is redone and the show uh, goes live across the country this this week, it might be 45x. Think about that. I've never even seen that before. You put in 10 bucks and it's $450 for the campaign. Man, that rocks. And next week, I'm going to bring you up to speed kind of on all the races, where they sit. That's going to be the show, I'm pretty sure, before Election Day. And if it's not, if your Wyoming hayseed has his weeks mixed up because he's been out pouring concrete on reservoir dams, well, then the show before the election, I'm going to bring you up to speed on all these close races, Congress, Senate, and governorship. And the rest of the story is that the governors are a line of defense against the feds. Because let's face it, folks, there's only so much the feds can do. There's only so much the feds want to do. Because the feds are unfortunately, to a large degree, and apologies to those of them who are not, corrupt. So you better think carefully about who you support in your state or some other state when it comes to future rights and freedoms and mandates and edicts and totalitarian control. Folks, I can't beat these drums enough or loud enough. You must get involved. You must get off the couch. You must contribute. You must stand up. And along those lines, let me let me tell you that there's a bunch of stories on ontherightsideradio.com on election fraud. Oh, yes, it's rearing its ugly head here in advance of the midterms. Who could have foreseen that? I mean, I am so surprised. I am just, I'm just Twitter-pated I'm so surprised. You know, Ron DeSantis' election police down there in Florida, what a great idea. Every state should have them. They've made like 20 or 25 arrests. Uh, there's a video There's a video under election fraud and under the audio bar on the rightsideradio.com. You ought to see these people when they're put in cuffs. They can't even believe that anybody would track them down and make them pay for their highness. I mean, look, when you undermine somebody else's vote, when you cut the legs out from under the Constitution, crimes don't get worse than that. They really don't get worse than that because the Constitution is the basis of all laws for all crimes. But anyway, we have a bunch of election fraud stories. Democrats gearing up to commit election fraud and getting caught because, gee, our eyes are open now, right? Our eyes are open. That doesn't mean they're not going to be cheating, folks. And that doesn't mean they're not going to have foreign influence like they did in 2020. Red China, Iran, Russia, and Russia being, like, way behind Iran and China. 
And what do you expect when the fraud and the theft and the despicable illegal behavior starts at the very top of the corruption scale, and that would be the White House? That's right. Here's the headline, okay? DOJ is hiding how it's complying with Biden's voter registration drive. So it seems that there's an uproar in D.C. Gee, big surprise. In March of last year, this is March of last year, like where have the Republicans been? President Cadaver signed an executive order, EO14019. In fact, there's an article posted under election fraud on the website, on the rightsideradio.com. And there's all sorts of links in it. You can read the entire EO, etc. for yourself. But basically, this executive order mandates that all the federal agencies, that's all the federal agencies, folks, working with your tax dollars, work with, quote, approved, unquote, third-party organizations. Those are the NGOs that we've been discussing that have been involved so heavily in election fraud to provide voter registration services on federal agency premises. There's a Florida-based public policy think tank, the Foundation for Government Accountability, the FGA. They filed Freedom of Information Acts. They wanted to know exactly what the federal agencies are doing relative to this order and what they're doing with your tax money. There's a Republican congressman from South Carolina, Ralph Norman, and he's been writing letters asking why aren't they responding to these FOIAs. In fact, this legal battle has now gone through two phases. And the government doesn't want to share either the internal memos or exactly what was communicated to the coordinator by all the agencies. You know who the coordinator is? Oh, yeah, Susan Rice. You know, Obama's, uh, should we say, right hand for his third term in the White House. In July, the FGA got a district court, a federal district court ruling that ordered the DOJ to produce the documents under the FOIA request. They still haven't done it. They gave them 135 pages. Can you imagine how many pages have been generated on this? And they were heavily redacted. And then, of course, there's the question of who exactly are the NGOs? Gee, I wonder if any of them are funded by George Soros, Barack Obama's good buddy and most frequent visitor to his White House 88 times during his term. And then in a little sidelight. <laughs> Remember I told you uh, I questioned the weather modification that might have been in play here on Hurricane Ian? And I got several emails on that. Well, what are you talking about? Well, you have to listen to my weather modification shows. The links are right there on the homepage on the rightsideradio.com and watch that video, The Dimming. But guess what? It now comes out that in the Consolidated Appropriations Act for 2022, signed by President Cadaver, there was a directive. Oh, gee, I guess uh, the Republicans didn't read the fine print or something. And the directive ordered the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, ooh, the OSTP, to conduct a five-year plan on climate intervention. Hmm, imagine that. Quote, coordinating with relevant federal agencies... (laughs) unquote, they're expected to develop, quote, a scientific assessment of solar and other rapid climate interventions in the context of near-term climate risks and hazards, unquote. There's a guy by the name of Chris Saka. He's the founder of Climate Tech Investment Fund, Lower Carbon Capital. And he explained how this all centered around into spraying sulfur dioxide into the stratosphere to create sulfuric acid clouds which block solar radiation. And this is all, according to him, a sign of the White House's leadership. Ooh, yes, because we know Cadaver is leader extraordinaire. And do you know what they call this? They call this Operation Dark Storm. That's right, Operation Dark Storm. 
And this all goes back to, and I had this on the weather modification shows, you really need to listen to these, to a, a report. It was called Restoring the Quality of Our Environment, which was for Lyndon Johnson, LBJ, back in 1965. Remember his speech where he said, soon we'll be able to control the climate, and he who controls the climate will control the world. Hmm. Oh, what party was he for? Oh, that's right. He was a Democrat. But it gets even murkier because OSTP is now under scrutiny because, gee, more than a dozen White House employees who are in OSTP are directly associated with former Google CEO Eric Schmidt. Hmm. Big tech has its hands in the weather cookie jar, too. One of the NGOs called Silver Lining. (laughs) Well, I wonder what double entendre that is. Her name is Kelly Wanser. And she downplayed the risks to the earth. Now listen to these words. Quote, this isn't something totally new in Frankenstein. We're already doing it. Did you hear what I said? We're already doing it. We're doing it in the most dirty, unplanned way you could possibly do it. And we don't understand what we're doing. Unquote. (laughs) Oh, my. And then to show you how caring they are for you and for me and for the rest of Americans, for that matter, humanity. Quote, yes, damaging the ozone is bad. Acid deposition, she's talking about the sulfuric acid stuff. Acid deposition is bad. Respiratory illness is bad, absolutely. And spraying sulfur in the stratosphere would contribute in the bad direction to all those effects. But you also have to ask, how much and relative to what? Unquote. The odds are 100% that some country pursues sunlight reflection, particularly in the wake of seeing millions of their citizens die from extreme weather, unquote. You mean like Hurricane Ian? Huh? Hmm. Let's get into rat-a-tat-tat. One of the things I'm going to tell you is that what's going to really play heavily in this election, particularly in some of these uh, swing states and major metropolitan areas, is crime. The Democrats have severely undercounted how really fearful people are of the rising crime rates of wanton and seemingly misdirected, it's always misdirected, but seemingly random acts of violence that are occurring really hundreds of times a day in these bigger cities. But we're going to save that discussion for another day, perhaps the show before the election. And you remember what Bill Clinton said back in 1992? It's the economy, stupid. So that remains the number one concern. In fact, a change research poll, remember the show last week, folks, listen to it if you haven't. They surveyed a group that helps elect progressive black women running for office, and they found that nearly 73% of the black women they surveyed were, quote, motivated more than ever before, unquote, to vote in the next election because Joe Biden's economic policies were hurting their families. And they were, quote, extremely worried, unquote, about the impact that Bidenomics, whatever that is, is having on family budgets. There was another poll, once again, you take these with a grain of salt, by Siena College for the New York Times, oh, that bastion of conservative think. And they found a 32-point swing over the last several months amongst independent women towards the GOP, towards Republicans. And now Republicans have an 18-point advantage in this kind of key demographic. In September, before the Democrats started punching hard on the abortion issue, this is the one they thought was going to carry them over the finish line, a study that was conducted by Ad Impact, another survey group, found that although the Democrats spent $73 million since September, folks, on ads with abortion-related messages, the Democrats surged upward about 14 points 
and now it is completely reversed, and they are underwater by 17 points with this demographic. And then in Pennsylvania, another indication of the continuing thumb at your nose at the Constitution, at the rule of law. You know, it all goes back to what the overall game plan is, folks. We've discussed about it. But Tom Wolf, the, the governor of Pennsylvania, and really it's through what, you know, Shapiro, the Secretary of State, who incredibly is actually leading by double digits, his Republican opponent, they've told the Supreme Court who ordered them, right? I brought you that case last week, who ordered them to not count undated absentee ballots. They're counting them anyway. They actually sent a directive to state offices of elections to count all undated ballots. You're going to see a huge wreck in Pennsylvania. Let me forecast that for you right now. And it's going to be... It's going to be a battle royale, and they're going to try and dovetail this in with the plan that our, your friend and mine, Liz Cheney, and her Democratic cohorts have come up with changing the electoral process, electoral college, and you're no longer allowed to contest elections. So I guess, let's see, here's where we're at in Pennsylvania and other states like it. The Supreme Court decides on a case, decides on its constitutionality, issues its order, and then the state simply ignores it. Then they count the ballots. And then it's going to be illegal for you to contest their count of the ballots. I want you to think about that just for a moment. I'm telling you, there's going to be some skullduggery coming our way. By the way, the Republicans, always slow on the uptake, have finally sued Pennsylvania to say you can't do that. No, 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 no. You're not playing fair. I'm sure glad that the Republicans are on top of this two weeks before the election, aren't you? And by the way, also in Pennsylvania, some more Democrat election antics. It seems that... Fetterman and Shapiro running for the governorship against Mastriano, and he's 11 points ahead, give or take, they say. But it seems that the, there's been a bunch of campaign signs put up, and they were put up without permission. Uh, we're talking about hundreds, maybe thousands, and they're for Shapiro, and they're for this, this communist moron Fetterman, who's running against Dr. Oz for the Senate seat. And by the way, they're almost neck and neck now. Support Dr. Oz. And because they were put up on private property without permission, they seemed to know that, gee, people would try and pull them out of the ground. And they booby-trapped them with razor blades. That's right. So they deliberately trespassed, deliberately broke the law, posting posting campaign paraphernalia, and they knew people would try and take them down, and they deliberately, dangerously booby trapped them. The police are investigating. Ooh, okay. I think we have time for one last rat-a-tat-tat. Let's see. Oh, yes. You'll love this. So vSafe, I don't know if you've heard about this. This is a database that's managed and monitored by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Oh, yes, that group, you know. The ones that said, oh, we blew it and we're reorganizing that, that outfit who are about to approve jabs for young students and actually make them part of the required vaccine stuff in schools for young kids. Yeah. In fact, they voted yesterday, believe it or not, it'll be on the COVID page. And I really suggest you look at that COVID page. All sorts of updated new videos and information each and every week. Probably the best on the web on the rightsideradio.com. But vSafe is this database that's voluntary also like VAERS, which is the adverse reporting base. I've talked to you about that many times. And it's after vaccination health checker. And supposedly it's collecting data on those who got the COVID-19 jab, at least voluntary data. And for the past 15 months, the Informed Consent Action Network, this is a group 
a medical group, they fought a legal battle to get the CDC to release the V-safe data. The CDC has refused to release the data for 15 months. This is about your health. This is about the safe and effective jabs. This is about COVID. This is about the whole nine yards that they turned your life and this country and the world upside down over, right? So finally, the court stepped in and said, CDC, do it. And the CDC did do it. Guess what? Of the 10 million people, that's way more than VAERS, folks. Maybe this is why CDC kind of want to keep the numbers close to their corrupt little chests. Of the 10 million people who are enrolled in VSAFE, 7.7% or 770,000 people required medical care after getting the shot. 25%, that's 2.5 million people, missed work or school or suffered some type of serious side effect that affected and affects their day-to-day life. That's 32% of the jabbed population in this reporting database. The VSAFE data also shows a massive immune reaction signal. Four million people, that's 40% folks, reported joint pain. Two million or 20% reported moderate joint pain. And 400,000 or 4% classified the pain as severe. By the way, if you want to get on VSAFE, and I suggest you do if you have gotten one or more of the jabs, it's voluntary. But you can enroll in VSAFE using your smartphone after you receive any dose, any whatsoever. Uh, This can be like an after-the-fact deal. Like if you unfortunately got the jabs a year ago, the first two, and then decide not, you can still enroll. And parents can enroll their underage kids to keep tabs on health effects. So go to VSAFE, that's capital V-S-A-F-E, get enrolled and report what's going on with you after getting the jabs. Oh, and one last one related to COVID, you know. It seems that uh, Boston University being funded by, yes, Tony Fauci, your tax dollars, the NIH. I mean, this guy so needs to be tried for treason and crimes against humanity, along with a number of others. But they funded, Chi under the table, uh, where were the Republicans in Congress asleep at the switch? Boston University to further, shall we say, modify the COVID virus. Because, you know, there was only a two-tenths of 1% fatality rate from the old COVID. Gee, that's not good enough. And obviously, it's not scaring people enough because people aren't taking the jabs anymore. And, you know, big pharma, I mean, they're not making their money. And Tony's not making his royalties and et cetera down the financial corruption chain. Well, it seems that this new strain of SARS-CoV-2 has a case fatality rate based on mice studies of 80%. That's 80%. You know, that's a, why don't we say that's a jump from 0.2% to 80%. Yes, 79.8%. Gee, that's terrific. By the way, this should tell you how important Ron Johnson is in Wisconsin. Make sure you support him. He's actually now several points ahead against his communist opponent, Mandela. And he and Rand Paul are really the only two people who have stood up in that Senate and raised holy hell about these jabs, the mandates, the edicts, the passports, the whole nine yards, who have conducted investigations. And as you know, Rand Paul has his sights set on Tony Fauci. And well, he should, because Tony Fauci, why don't we just say jail is too good for him and for some of his cohorts? So be ready to hear about the drums beating and the fear-mongering over this supposed, once again, who knows, Boston University 80% lethality, highly 
contagious. It seems what they did, by the way, they combined the spike protein from the Omicron, which was very contagious but very mild, to the original Wuhan strain, you know, which was developed by Tony Fauci and the NIH and the Red Chinese Army. And they've produced a new strain. Oh, that's terrific. The new strain, of course, has the transmissibility of Omicron and the lethality, I guess enhanced in some way, of the original Wuhan virus. They're always thinking of us, aren't they, folks? And you know, we're out of time, as always. In the meantime, support these candidates on the rightsideradio.com, the Take Action page, send money, get involved in the election, make sure you're registered, make sure you vote, and look in the mirror, repeat with your family, and repeat it with conviction. I will muster, I will stand, I will not comply, I will never give in, I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and across the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back.